Hi, I'm Laura Allen. And I'm Liv Austin. And between us, we are a songwriter, actor, singer, producer, and the hosts of My Amazing Mess, a podcast where we talk to creatives who are right in the middle of developing their own unique careers. They are totally honest with us about what it takes to pursue their dream job, the exciting highs, the disheartening lows, and and the the amazing mess that is everything in between. On this week's episode, we spoke to the brilliant Carla Fraser, who is actress, filmmaker, animal rights activist, and overall just inspiring woman who's who's navigating her own way through the creative industry, deciding what it is that she wants to be doing to kind of make her mark in especially kind of the film industry, it seems. Yeah, such a go-getter. And it's, it's a really good one to listen to, to hear about, to hear from somebody who's really passionate about something that they want to do and what they will do to, you know, get the right people involved that they want to work with and stuff like that. And how sometimes when you get really passionate about a project that you do, you get so unapologetic because the most important thing is is that project and not what people think of you and you know that sort of stuff and there's amazing stuff that can come from it I was really inspired by this one yeah it was really lovely to to hear that someone who is very talented great lovely actress who was realizing that the opportunities weren't always straight away knocking on those doors um, and decided to to work out what passion she had in life to mix with her acting passion and see if she could meld them together in some way. Yeah, absolutely. And also seeing how kind of randomly her passion for animal rights, which is something that had been with her her entire life, then led her on to doing something really creative. Yeah. And keep an eye on this one. She's got some really exciting projects coming up. So check it out. We're here with Carla Fraser, who we know from uh, drama school as well. We have quite a few people that we originally know from drama school, but you are so much more than an actor. You are an actor, but also a filmmaker and conservationist. So that's a really exciting combination. So we're really, really happy to have you here. And uh, we have stayed in touch since drama school, but we've only seen each other a handful of times maybe since then. So yeah, it's been one of those ones where social media has played a really good part because I've (laughs) kept in touch with you seeing what you've been up to. So Carla was actually the year below us. Am am I right? Yeah, Yeah, it is the year below us. I get really confused. Unless we're all going a bit mad. Liv and I know our stories about how we made it to the Guildford School of Acting. So what what was your story going way back, if you think about how how it all started for you, was acting always on the cards for you or did you have other dreams and passions or what kind of got you to the point of thinking I'm going to apply for drama school? Yeah I have a super cheesy story actually when I was at primary school they were doing um, the nativity and it wasn't that I knew that Mary was kind of like the lead role but that all they'd mentioned was all different animals and stuff so I'd come home and gone to mum I'm Mary. She was like, oh, you know, dang, that's that's really amazing. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, well, all the rest of them were just animals. So that was the only girl. And then once I did that, apparently I was great. And then after that, I was like, oh, I can do shows. So then I started doing like little community shows. And then, yeah, just kept it going. And then, you know, you get into secondary school and picked all the subjects and stuff. And then I think it was sick form. I wrote um, a show and it was for Save the Children. And it was a show called Once Upon Our Time. And that went really well. And so then I was like, yes, this really is something that I want to do. And so the natural progression was to 
apply for drama school and you guys probably remember it's a bit of an alien concept when you're at school and no one really knows how to guide you into that process so I applied the first year round got some recalls and stuff but it was a bit of a prickly process and then had a gap year because I didn't get in I didn't get through to the final stage so then I just sort of wrote bits of shows did all the normal jobs catering all those kind of things and then got in the second year I mean, you've done so many exciting things since drama school, so we want to get on to it. But can you tell us a little bit how drama school was for you? How did you experience it? And and how, how was it compared to how you'd pictured it when you were applying? It was definitely a, a lot of growth, as I think most of us would say, through drama school. First year, just an absolute bag of nerves. You had to do more singing and dancing than I would have hoped, and I always found that very difficult. I think I was struggling a little bit you know had little touches of depression and things like that and drama school is quite hard if you're you know you haven't really figured all that out yet it's quite pressing and stuff so I had to kind of negotiate how to have that side of me that was a bit insecure and not sure what I'm doing and be up for you know when they're like get up just keep getting up you know that's the very much the motto just keep trying and that's very hard if you're kind of having a bad week or whatever so I learned a lot about myself as well as the training I learned a lot more about having to still go in every single day no matter what had happened the week before or the day before but no it was lovely I met some of the most amazing people that I'm still in touch with my class were very sincere and lovely I think but yeah no I think uh, it was a it was a it was a good process and some things I've definitely taken forward and I don't think I would have known how to handle myself and certain industry things that I needed to know for when I came out the other end. When we were having a, a cup of coffee or tea before, we, we were kind of chatting. I always wish we had a microphone at those moments <laughs> as well. But you were kind of mentioning that, you know, even just hearing you now saying how much you were writing and doing stuff before you'd even thought about drama school. Yeah. Um, and that in a way, when you actually got to drama school, it, it kind of dampened that that a little bit. Where did you find the passion to start writing in the first place when you were before drama school? And what kind of, what was the thought process of when you were actually training? Do you know what? When I think back, I used to write a lot of poetry and I do sort of... So, you know, like Bo Peep or the nursery rhymes that we know, I used to do the back version of like how Bo Peep got there. And like I got really into doing the back version of things, of characters we already knew. So I was writing all these poems. So I suppose if I think back, that's kind of where it started. And then... At school, I was doing a photography project and I was doing Alice in Wonderland type project and I made this book and it wasn't great. I got like a C or whatever. But from that, I thought, actually, there's a show in this. And so then I wrote a show. So it was sparking around then. But just as you said, I think when I got to drama school, I sort of surrendered a bit and thought, take me through the process, show me the way. And also there's just such magnificent people at drama school that you, I just forgot that that part was there. So although I would devise at school, I'd be very like, I would definitely not allow myself to be called, you know, a writer or really do anything that really put me out there. I'd kind of just follow the status quo and kind of was just such a sponge, like teach me, show me. Um, So it took a while after drama school to get that confidence back and remember that I used to be a bit of a go-getter and make things happen when you're before you train you're kind of well I certainly was the one that was going to be an actor you know you're like you're the anomaly and you're the one that is kind of you know you do the shows with everyone but you're like yeah but I'm going to do it professionally (laughs) and then and then and all I ever wanted was to train as an ensemble I wanted to work it as an ensemble with loads of other driven talented people but there is something when you get into a, a group of amazingly talented driven people 
it, it your mindset almost shifts a little bit in yeah. in good and bad ways i think i think it kind of sounds yeah. like what, what you were saying so when you then kind of have started to move out of drama school did the passions come straight back or was there what was the kind of first steps kind of coming out of that no definitely not didn't just come back I think I was doing auditions getting predominantly a lot of castings for commercials and things which obviously is great but you know I really do love character I love comedy and it wasn't really exercising any of that and I was just quite lost I wasn't really sure there was a lot of gaps between things I didn't know how to do enough because they say be proactive but I didn't really know what more I could do because I felt like I was ticking all the boxes and I think I was in a cafe waiting for an audition and I had this idea of an elephant and rhino toy in my head and it was just a visual and then I basically started writing down all these ideas weather spoons was very good to me then you know the refill coffees I was sitting there refilling coffee doing lots and lots of uh, drafts of this um little film I didn't tell anyone about it not my boyfriend nothing because I was still not confident enough to be like this is what I'm doing in case anyone expected it to be anything more and I wasn't sure at that point whether it could be anything more so it literally just came back with Grey Future which was uh, the first short film I did and that was it really so I want to hear more about the background for that because clearly it's an idea that you got because it was something that you cared about so you've found a very natural way it seems to combine your creative talent and your passion for for conservation so where did that start and your interest in that yeah so I've always been an animal lover and I've always been quite tenacious about speaking out for animals I remember year seven doing a massive assembly to like my whole school on animal welfare and stuff so it's always been something but then through drama school I I didn't feel I, I it just did I had so much going on that I kind of forgot not forgot but it just wasn't in the forefront and then when I saw I came out and I had more time and you're processing the news and you're more aware of what's going on around you I think I saw the statistics that you know a rhino um rhino is being killed every seven hours and an elephant every sort of 15 minutes and when I heard that and I heard that they might be gone by the time our grandchildren arrive here you know in the in the future in the wild I was like wow that's statistics that's really easy for people to absorb whereas we're used to seeing grave things happening all the time and uh, normal animal documentaries that are great but it's just become a little bit of a wash of (laughs) depressive news really but that was very tangible so I think I then thought if you could show that in a drama way so if you could show a future where that's happened a bit like Black Mirror does I have to thank Black Mirror a lot because that gave me a lot of influence showing me the future and stuff like that and putting it in a way where you can see it and then it gives you that no that's not how I want future to be it kind of shows you the option and so that made me merge drama with conservation really and I did all I was very careful to do all my facts so I found out like what you know what's going on how many years so that no one could pick holes in it and do it properly and then I realized that not many people do it they don't seem to mix animal welfare and conservation that much and it seems to be going down very well and it's an area you know I can't go out there and feed baby rhino as much as I want to and I would you know maybe I should have been a vet in one life but I didn't do it in this one but what I can do is use drama in a positive way and I think as long as we all come at conservation and or anything that we care about with the talents that we have be that sewing baking anything then you're doing your bit so gray future basically gives you an idea of how the world is when these animals are gone and they're just an image you know we know what they look like but they don't actually exist anymore and that's not even fantasy is a potential 
is a potential Absolutely. future. It was only going sort of 25 years in the future, but it was also so a very, depressing. I know, a very domestic way of showing it as well. So it's not out in the savannah of Africa. It's not using green screen. It's literally as a Western person hearing on the radio, rhinos have become extinct or, you know, having your child in front of you going, playing with an elephant toy and thinking, I always thought they would just be there, but they're not. They're just a toy now, like a dinosaur toy. So it's a Western perspective as well, because I think it can feel very removed if it's just Africa and the other side of the planet. So it was kind of bringing it home to us here that we can do stuff. Can people see that now? Is it is it easy? Yeah, absolutely. Accessible? So it used to be, I realised that the most effective way of helping that film help the cause was that it used to have a petition at the end, which was to get an ivory ban in the UK because we still were, there was very many easy ways of selling ivory through loopholes and things like that. Um, I think we were the second biggest exporter. We might still be. So there was a massive uproar. And basically uh, I used it to go to government events and things like that and uh, had a website but now actually we've got the UK ban and it's coming into play which I am so pleased to be able to tell you guys because normally people fight for things and don't see a conclusion like that so I'm really lucky that I can say was a small part of that um, So, but now it's not on that website it's on YouTube so if you do grey future film and there's a hand with a little kid's hand holding a rhino and elephant toy. And if you see that, that's it. <laughs> that's really such a, a great way to think about it because I know my brain would run away with an idea, something like that. I'd find a big passion of that I wanted to make a film about. And then I'd go, yeah, I, I, I'm never going to get to go and film elephants and rhinos. <laughs> yeah. So the film's not going to happen. So, yeah. So, so you kind of mentioned that you kind of dealt a little bit with depression throughout drama school, yeah. um, which is which is kind of a common theme throughout a lot of, especially with creative people it's, it seems to be quite a running theme and it hits at different times. I know with me personally, it's been more recently when I was at drama school, I felt like I was finding my feet a bit more. So when you were kind of feeling like that and coming then out of drama school into the big wide open world, was it that you were relying on your passion to kind of find something solid to to get you through that? Or was it that you'd kind of forgotten about it and then it was the passion that reminded you you can start to incorporate the two? I suppose actually thinking about that, when you leave drama school, you're more alone with yourself. So maybe then, all you know, the, the grey cloud would come back occasionally. And yeah, I think it's true to say I do need, I would like to say I'm quite a, like, a, I like real things to hold on to and that felt like as uh, being involved in conservation and uh, I felt like it was something I could really say that I'm helping towards and uh, and I'd be giving my energy because I felt like I was giving my energy to a lot of areas that weren't becoming anything and um, that's the same for loads of creatives you're just putting things out there all the time and putting your heart into it and it is very it's very difficult because you know half the time it doesn't turn into anything but with that I was like I know where my energy is coming from people within conservation and charities and things were very receptive I mean I got replies to emails I was like my god that hasn't happened in ages you reply to me um so and then when I went to events they were thrilled to see me and I found a bit of a home there so yeah I think maybe as much as I've helped those charities and done that yeah it's been great for me because it gave me purpose and a bit of, I always call it soul food I feel like great future and get finding all that again gave me real soul food to be involved in something very real and something other than acting as well because I think it's good to get a break from fantasy world that is another <laughs> common theme isn't yeah, it that people yeah. find something 
other than just the acting or just the music, whatever their main sort of thing is, or, or come back to something maybe that that it has been really important to them. And, you know, we've talked about me with that, that music and acting kind of can serve as the other thing, yeah. you know, when one is, you know, just really kind of depressing and not going anywhere. It's not like it's my whole world. And yes. it's, it's quite, it's quite good. You know, it's quite yeah. good for the soul that you're like, well, I've got this other thing that I care about. So I'm going to going to focus on that now I think it makes you more appealing as well I Mm. think if you enter into a room for a casting or you're at an event and you end up talking you've got more to you and you're not as desperate you know it 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 gives you soul food but it also it kind of radiates out of you that you're a bit more whole so you you came out of drama school and had this idea and then thought okay I'll make a film (laughs) how 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 does that how does that start what did you um, yeah, it, it was quite a while, you know, of, like it was a bit bumpy before. So I didn't have the idea straight out of drama school. It took a while to kind of find that path. But yeah, no, I'd never made a film before. And I never thought I would make a film because I'd seen certain friends that had gone into the producing role. And I thought, gosh, that's a lot of work. I did. I thought, I just want to be told where to sit and what lines to say, to be honest. So producing was never like, I really want to do this. It was you know I can't pay anyone to do it so I've got to do it it was more that thing and then literally just took it bit by bit I didn't really know what I was doing uh, the director from Grey Future he knew a little more than me and worked in TV so I've got him to thank for kind of helping me along that process but yeah I just kind of took my granddad's house we emptied my granddad's house bless him and put him around my mum's house and we're like there's the location uh went to the charity shop like there's the props and literally just went at it bit by bit and it was a case of pe- people going so you got the insurance yeah and you're like yeah yeah oh my god <laughs> okay, i'm getting insurance i just had no idea I had no idea as i said to you earlier actually like you know lights for example i didn't know the importance of lights so on the shoot i was just running around nicking lights from neighbors houses and things i i just i didn't know where to begin but that's not a reason not to do something that's what i've learned you just go at it and as long as you're honest with people I said the whole time I don't really know what I'm doing but I will do whatever you need and let's just do this together and and they receive that well they go oh good for you and I think it's nice to be honest about it. Film is probably of all the things that that we do is creating something or, or putting on film is sort of the ultimate like I have no idea what I'm doing but I've got to do it in order <laughs> yeah. to learn because you cannot sit and read about it you've got to just live all of those things that you're like I can't really see anyone on screen we should probably have some <laughs> some lights so, you know you just have to you just have to go through it and you know you you Laura you've had that with with shooting the pilot as well just who do you work with like how do you communicate with people how do you get what you want you don't know until you try it producing for me it was booking the dates I don't know what what it was for you that was just like that was the catapult for me I was like well the dates are set so yeah gotta fill it with people and things and cameras and yeah but you know what actually now I think back there was a massive conference that happens every three years for wildlife where they decide there's like bands band one two three in terms of how much you can deal in those animals and how much um, protection they need and it's a massive wildlife event and I wanted to release it on the day of that event and I'd been before to elephant and rhino marches through London we've done a lot of really powerful protests that have been effective which has been great and so I was like I want to release it on that day now thinking back I needed that day because if I hadn't had that day it would have lingered but it made me be like it's got to come out on that day so yeah try and set yourself a date for sure yeah who was it that said that if you want something done you need an idea and not quite enough time (laughs) 
or something like that. Brilliant. Brilliant. Like that. Yeah. that is so brilliant. It's, yeah, because if you've got all the time in the world, I've definitely learned this. It's just not going to happen, is no, it? You'll always doubt yourself, won't you? Yeah. So alongside making the, the film, I guess, is are, were auditions kind of still happening? And what was the actor's life? part yeah. of, of work for you um I had a few castings commercial castings I think what also had happened actually on a personal level is I'd lost three of my grandparents and I had been involved in every single one of them to to the point they left and so I'd faced death right there I'd faced all that so it was kind of hard as well to phase me going to castings now because I used to go in there like it was my whole world and my tummy was like galore butterflies but then once all that had happened I was like no you can't really shake me as much I've seen that I've got perspective now I was still going to castings but what might have helped actually is I think I might have even got more recalls then because I was just a little bit more grounded and as you say I had something else to speak for myself you know if it I was always nervous of the conversation bit not that it happens very often but if they do say what you up to oh god I was like what do I say but now I was like oh, I'm making a film for this you know they might not have understood it because it does sound bizarre you know about elephants and rhinos but it was something to say for myself but not many you know I didn't didn't book jobs and I wouldn't say my agents understood what was going on so I was kind of a bit on my own lone path and the acting thing well I was going to castings but I wasn't really getting much <laughs> it feel it can feel like that the doors are all shut can't it and it's what I failed to understand growing up I had this dream not even dream like idea I'd I had done it as a kid so in my head I was like well that was easy <laughs> I'm gonna do that again <laughs> um, and people would always say to me um I'm sure they've said to everybody who's ever said they want to be an actor oh it's a hard life and then I think it's taken all this time to realize what's actually hard about it yeah it is yeah. there's a lot of different aspects that are hard and I think it's the the feeling that even when you do get in the door, that's that's a challenge in itself. But yeah. then you don't book a job. And it's not just you that worries about it. It's, oh, I have not booked the job for the people that have asked me what I've done today. And I've told them I've got an audition and I've not booked the job for yeah. my agent and all the rest of it. So what what was kind of getting you through that time of auditions apart from making a film? Was it that you focused more on conservation? What, what was it that was kind of focusing yeah. you? I also did quite a lot of teaching. So I taught at um, Guildford School of Acting for a while. And I would say actually my mood, if I was feeling a bit disheartened or unsure of what I'm doing, I would then go teach a workshop that I'd probably devised, which is a bit like writing in itself because you'd like write a bit of script and work with young people. And the buzz that it gave you to see them bouncing off the walls and <laughs> bless them thinking you're the best thing since sliced bread, you know what I mean? Um, that gave you the the fire back, I think, actually. So actually I have a lot to thank for teaching because I do think that kept me um, realising that I, you know, I, I was still inspiring and I could still engage with young people that were passionate. So I think between the film, teaching and just a strong sense of family at the time because things were quite tough, I think a combination of that kind of kept me ticking over. That's not to say there weren't days where I was like, totally lost but I did a lot of um the other thing I would say is did a lot of going to cafes as though it was my workplace because structure goes out the window and you don't know where you belong which is totally understandable you're like going around your house thinking oh my god it's not like a normal job I don't know how to get out of cozy home mode so then I would go to the cafe and be like I'm not leaving here until I send this email that email and do a little checklist that I have to tick off and that 
my I'd come back such a different person from the cafe after that, which is something I would highly recommend if that isn't already part of your routine. Yeah, definitely. I was talking to my friend the other day and I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to a cafe. I've got an admin day. And she was like, that's the best idea I've ever heard. Yeah. And I just thought, I thought everyone did that. <laughs> yeah. I just thought everyone did that. But she'd never had an admin day. And I think that she just, well, I'm sure she, she'd she had an admin day, but she didn't talk about it as if it was like a work day. Because mm-hmm. I love it when I just kind of set aside a day and, you know, I'm going to this place, I'm leaving my house. Or even if you're not leaving your house, like this is my yeah. office, you know, this bit is where I sit and do the work and I'm going to work till five or whatever, yeah, you know. Yeah. And then you get loads of stuff done instead of going, oh, I should probably send that email today at some point uh but first you know like yeah, it's, it's yeah, so yeah. easy for anyone who's self-employed no matter what you do to get distracted and it doesn't even mean that you're lazy it's just really really hard to give yourself structure all the time so yeah definitely yeah. second that, <laughs> that recommendation <laughs> I also think as well it's just such a great thing because when I'm at home and I'm doing I like do a couple of emails and then I'm like maybe I'll have a cup of tea yeah. oh I should put my washing on <laughs> and then I don't know when to relax because in the evening I'm then like I didn't do enough yes whereas it's such a great idea I had you, you go to your cafe that's my office for the day and then you can leave and, and yeah otherwise it leave. does just spill everywhere doesn't it it bleeds all around the house and you don't know what's <laughs> you don't know where to not feel guilty <laughs> Yeah, because it all kind of needs to be done, you know. It's like, I do kind of need to do the washing or the washing up or whatever, but it's for a different time. Like that's, you know. And speaking of cafes, I want to get on to, you know, (laughs) some good stories about that. So you did uh, Great Future Mm -hmm. and uh, you realised that you can make a film. Yeah. So what, what happened after that? I mean, I'm really interested to talk about what you're working on now and how because it didn't seem like that was something that you'd planned to do no I don't think even the second one was planned to be honest I was just doing lots of uh interesting things Uh, you know I met a lot of people after Grey Future that I'm really grateful for that also were in the creative world so I ended up that's funny isn't it because I'm doing conservation and then someone would be like oh can you film this with me because I'm actually an actor and so it's really lovely because you meet people very organically like Peter Egan who is just from from Downton Abbey and an old you know an amazing actor I've met him through it and it's so lovely because it's not like you know sometimes you can meet people and you feel like you're sponging off them in some capacity if that's quite a crude way of saying it but I love it because I see him sometimes and I'm like we just love animals yeah we both do acting we love animals and we've got this like a secondary connection it's just really lovely um so I was meeting all of those doing that and then uh Jamie Weston he was the DOP on Grey Future and when I worked with him I just thought he was fantastic his ideas were fantastic and he basically messaged me and said I've got something I think you would be fab in but it's not written or anything I just I've got this idea and he told me the idea and I couldn't stop thinking about the idea for two weeks. I was obsessed with it. And I was like, I love that. Then he put it down a bit of paper, sort of the rough steps of what it would involve. And then I was like, can I write the script with you? Can can I do this? And so then it actually happened really quickly. Like, I think it was like two evenings. I like wrote out the whole script and built a character, gave them names um, and it evolved. And that is how Wings was born really so tell us a bit more about wings and well what you can share about it what is the story uh or the concept and you're you're making it you know you're in the process of making it how do you do that how do you make a film so wings is about two land girls land army girls during world war ii that fall in love and then become estranged and then I won't ruin the ending for you. But it's very unusual, obviously, because 
when Jamie and I were looking for evidence and literature and memoirs about women who were lesbian during that period, there really is nothing. It started they've started to shine a light on homosexuality and men, but there just was nothing, nothing at all that I could find about that kind of topic, which then inspired us even more to do it. Uh, we were like, my gosh, these women haven't had a voice. Let's do this. And again, I'm always better when I find a, the heart of the project and I think, oh, okay, this is where we can really tell a story and that gives you more passion and fire and more confidence, I think, because you feel like you're fighting not just for you, but for a cause and something that really needs to be said. So yeah, we started writing it. And then once we'd got that, I also went to quite a lot of writers groups um, and read it aloud with people because it's really easy, I think, as a writer to think that's great um, but then you need people to pick holes and say whether everything is in there and also actually this film doesn't have any speaking so it's completely silent um, it's going through lots and lots of scenes as though you're kind of going f through a flicker book um, of time so I needed to make sure that that was all legit and you could understand the story we kind of sat on it for a while me and jamie would meet up and have coffee i think we were scared we'd like write down everything we should do but then it wouldn't really progress and then um in the end we were like do you know what he said i've got a camera you're in, you know you're gonna be in it you'll play one of the roles in it should we just film this thing let's just do it like i, I can't wait any longer and i thought you know what i need i need a baby too i need something to really get involved with so we started doing it and i must stress originally it was meant to be so small it was just meant to be on a few hundred pounds and us just kind of grabbing lots of creatives together and making it happen and um, I think the story is really unique and it just kind of stuck more than we ever expected and then like all these magnificent people got on board and it's kind of grown to what it is right now can you tell us a bit more about who's <laughs> got on board and how that happened yeah so um we put out a casting on twitter and lovely rosie day got involved and she, well she she said can i see the script and she saw it and she loved it and instantly you know connected with the heart of the story which was the lovely thing she was so passionate so we met with her she got on board and then bobby lockwood um, who is another lovely, lovely, lovely man. He um, read the script and as he'll say himself, he's quite mushy and loved loved the love story and instantly came on board too. And on the day that I met Bobby, we walked, it was in Soho and we walked down the street and then uh, Miriam Margolis was walking past me and Jamie, just, you know, going to a cafe. And I said, oh my God, Jamie, like this story is absolutely something I think she would love. Like, do I dare go up to her? And we had a printout, which I don't normally have because I'd just seen Bobby. And so she walked into this cafe and <laughs> to be honest, like I hid behind a big <laughs> poster board advert of something. I thought, oh my God, am I going to do this? And um, looked in, she was on her phone and I didn't want to disrupt her. So I walked toodle back and hid back behind the poster again. And then sort of <laughs> third attempt when I saw she got off the phone, I walked in and I said, Miriam, I'm ever so sorry to disturb you. Can I just leave this script with you? Because I think it's a story that you'll love. I have to be honest, even at that point, I thought even if she just gives me some feedback on it, like that would be amazing. And then in true Miriam style, she was like, 
sit down. <laughs> so I sat down and uh, she said, tell me about this properly. So I told her about it properly. And then she read the script in front of me. And that was pretty scary. <laughs> really scary. How many pages are we talking? Do you know what? It's not like a lot because it is a short film. It's just like under 10 or something. Okay, yeah. But that's well, long enough. you said it's got no dialogue. Recently, so, yeah. you know, so quite, I'd love to see a script like that. Um, and uh, she was lovely and she like got me a coffee and was just wonderful she I think she really understood how much that took to go and take a risk and you know see how it went and um she read the scripts and then at the end she said well what part will I be playing and that is when I knocked over my coffee (laughs) (laughs) I knocked over my coffee in excitement and uh bless her the waitress came over and she said oh don't worry it was me she took all the wrap for coffee being everywhere and she dried everything on it on the table like oh, she was drying everything and, oh she was just lovely and um she explained that she was going to be away in Australia so she was worried that she you know wouldn't be around when I needed her but I said to her no actually the great thing about this script is that the first half probably more than half is set in 1940s and that was the bit we were filming quite imminently and then the latter bit is set uh, much nearer to the future and we were going to film that quite a few months you know in in April and then it was you know before Christmas so we worked out that our schedule was going to be just perfect and then bless her she wrote on the front of the script I will be in this and gave me absolute confirmation I needed and gave me all her details and insisted on a selfie which I thought was mad how are you asking for a selfie and not me and then we've just stayed in touch and she's just been absolutely magnificent I think I'm in love with her I know <laughs> but th- what I have come to to learn in a much smaller way just producing the small thing I did was that if you are talking to people about what you're doing especially actors especially actors but also anyone that works in the industry more often than not you'll find that they're like can I do it can I be it because they, <laughs> they want to work they, 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 we none of us really got into it to be Hollywood movie stars in my head anyway it was to to work and to act and get to work with people creating incredible things like you, you know if you someone came up to me in a cafe and sat a script like that in front of me I think I'd probably put my details straight on it as well mm. so what an incredible story yeah. it's fantastic extremely kind of her yeah and the other person is um virginia mckenna who i don't know if you ever watched the film born free years ago about rescued lioness and it's a beautiful story and basically my it's actually a nice story because my nan um used to make me watch born free on repeat and loved tigers and lions and it was just a massive tradition within my family and when my nan passed we had the song that accompanies the film the beautiful born free song sung at her funeral by my lovely friend um so it, it was uh, it's always been a part of my family and then when i got involved in conservation I bumped into her at certain events and particularly her son, Will Travers, and was just, you know, I've just put them on such a big pedestal. It's been amazing to get to know them. And then that's how that tied in with Wings. So I, you know, I would never have thought grey future and conservation work would end up being something that would then merge into having Virginia McKenna, like drama royalty being in my film. So yeah, I've got her. We've also got Lou Caulfield, which is another dear friend and wonderful actress. So lots of exciting people. How do you feel about being in, in charge essentially of all this? Is it scary? Is it exciting? Is it a bit of both? Absolutely. Really exciting and really scary. Again, I do think honesty goes a long way. I would say that Miriam and all of those can tell, you know, I've been very honest, though, you know, about my route and 
I'm not some big filmmaker. I don't have a massive production company behind me. So I've been honest. So I feel like I have the room to be able to say, is that okay? And are you happy with that? I'm not sure about this. Is that, you know, but I am excited. But I'm, I, I can't actually fathom that I'm going to be working with them on the day that we are. I, ca- I can't picture that yet. So I'm not, it's not real enough yet. But no, very, very excited and just taking it kind of a step at a time at the moment. I think we've kind of talked about this a bit with other people too, but we have this image of where our career is going to go and and also how we're going to get things, you know, how stuff is going to happen, how we're going to meet people, mm. you know. And then as you say, you, you know, it's not, it's not random. It might feel random, but it's not random that our different passions bring some of the similar people together because, you know, the fact that you're passionate about something and then the people that you kind of need in your other work, they're also passionate about that thing. Yeah. You know, it kind of all seems to make sense and our, our different worlds merge in such a weird way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And when you do it authentically, because I always, you know, I'll go to these events or so, it's never about anything but the animal. I really do care about, I would really want to see things turn around in terms of animals and the planet. So that it's nice that you can authentically really, really care about that. And then, like you say, it's just funny how the universe kind of works because, you know, you feel like you're putting a lot of energy into something totally unrelated. And then it comes back around in a really lovely, real way. What was your image of what what your career would have been to to start (laughs) off with? If you're thinking five, six years out of drama school, whatever we are, did you have a kind of image of what that was going to be before you went to drama school? Um, Hmm. I don't know if I did, but I I don't know. When you leave drama school, I think it was quite buzzy when I left. I had quite a few castings, so it looked quite promising. I think I was much more theatre and stagey, and I still love that, but I really, for me personally, I really love creating something I can press play and go, there it is. I just feel for me it's nice to have something tangible that I can just have. I just find... That's something I don't know. I just find that really, really therapeutic almost that I can keep it locked there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's always going to sit there. Um, so I don't think I envisaged that I'd be doing so much with camera and film. I sometimes think that if I had had lots of odd jobs, that would have been amazing and it would have just been fantastic to book loads of acting jobs. But maybe that wouldn't have given me the hunger to create something myself. And ultimately, I'm much happier with the kind of things that I've created and had I been distracted by lots of different jobs it would have been great and I could have paid the bills a lot easier Mm. but I might not have had enough fire and kind of had enough in order to go right let's build a door not wait for someone to open the door do you find the balance of kind of working out with you know teaching and all the other things that do bring the the bill paying Mm. money in pretty quickly do you find any struggle with that balance of keeping hungry for the acting and and also creative in that way because I I don't know I don't know how we all feel as as (laughs) self-employed I find it hard to say no to things a lot I'm like okay yeah yeah, I need I I've got a spare afternoon of course I'll teach the class or of course I'll work for that event or whatever it is do you do you find it hard to balance it I find it hard more like finding jobs that because obviously I'm very good at things that aren't paid I'm very good at (laughs) writing things I'm very good at like conservation and charity work but 
I find it hard to find jobs that are, you know, that that flexible that you can put them in little pockets between your creative things. But it's just a, a means to it. I mean, I don't cost much to run. I've realized that. I've been like, I'm pretty good, actually. Um, so as long as I just do a little bit of teaching, a little bit of this and that, at the moment for me, I think they're probably, I completely understand at a time when people need to start earning more. You know, it is all very nice and well to do all these work. But at the moment, I feel like, I have decided for me personally, I live at home. So I keep my bills down because I've made a choice that the moment I need to kind of find my way and that in a latter stage, you know, it is just so tough. I do need to find something more solid actually in terms of money and I just I haven't found that thing that's quite perfect to complement everything and I think that's that's a common thing for actors isn't it it's just so hard because the minute you get into a a job that's paying and it's all going swell you then have to go actually I need four weeks off and you can't blame them for hating you and having to say no (laughs) yeah I've disappointed a lot of people (laughs) (laughs) yeah but also because like we're all people that would take take it seriously you know that even the admin jobs I do when I'm there, I'm a, I am an administrative yeah. assistant. So I forget that, oh, yeah, I've also got to put energy into the other side yeah. of stuff as well in the same time. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because yeah. we're, we're hard workers because we have to be. So anything that we, that, you know, we're hired to do, we do really well. And then people kind of want us to to stay but that's not the nature of what we do so yeah, it is a tough one it's difficult but it's funny you know with having Miriam and Virginia in this amazing project it's kind of like I'll be doing some random sales job you know to get by for the next few days and then they'll go oh, what are you up to and then you say it and I think I don't blame you you think that someone doing that is not then working at an event on a sales job but that sales job is paying to pay for the camera. Do you know what I mean? And I, it's just, you never know. You always think in your head that it won't be you and you get this imposter syndrome and you think, oh, it's for someone who's further on in their career who looks different, who has, you know. But no, like, it's okay to be very normal and, and do things your way. And you can still have great projects on the bubble. Never, never think it's always for someone else. Absolutely. And the imposter syndrome, I think there's this image of of you know people who make films and stuff that that's all they do yeah but it I sounds think the glamorous reality, yeah, yeah exactly but the reality of it and we even us we get fooled by it you know when mm. we see other people do stuff but I think the reality is that most people are you know or have been for a long time anyway supporting themselves by doing other stuff it's just yeah. how it works yeah, so exactly. what is the next step for something like wings I don't know the kind of short film industry that well is it trying to get it seen by the right people or submitting it to, to film festivals I mean some of it's very new to me because they're big worldwide festivals festivals that Grey Future I submitted to lots of film festivals but there was a lot of animal film festivals which took me to like I went to New York with it and I went to California with it so but that's a whole different world in a way so yeah I don't know a great deal about the film festivals that we're going to go for but we're going to miss probably 2019 a lot of the entries so it'll be 2020 probably when we do most of the key film festivals but yeah we hope to just basically tick all the ones that you you hear of and just see how far it goes with it really and then some people have suggested the story is quite has got a lot more growth in it and I think there is actually truth in that so if someone wanted to then make something bigger and a longer or feature version or drama my god that would be the dream you heard it here first yeah I was gonna say I can't wait 
like to check in in like a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, that is that really famous show now. <laughs> oh, I do hope so. I've gone to so many film premieres of UK made films, British films and stuff. And you see, you know, the actors there and they're like, yeah, we shot this four years ago, you know, so I look completely different now because it takes so long <laughs> yeah. to actually get it all done. And, you know, especially submitting it to festivals, you have deadlines and, you know, when stuff has to. Yeah. And it costs. And it Every costs. time you apply for a film festival, mm. it costs. So you have to pick which ones you're going to do that realistically have a chance. So, yeah, the, the whole process is costly. We did originally um, do a Kickstarter as well, just because probably good to mention for anyone doing something like this. And as cringy as those are, because, you know, we're British, we hate asking anyone for help. It did really, really help. So I did that for the first shoot. But I also contributed myself. And sometimes I don't think, and Jamie did as well, so I don't think you can always wait. And if you do, if you are able to work a few more hours and collate some money that facilitates something you really want to do, I know it's annoying, but you have, you just got to do it because no one else will. I uh, fundraised for my first EP and I hated doing that. <laughs> I, I hate it. It was so stressful, but it was a really interesting process because by the end of it, I was like, oh, people actually want to be a part of this. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not begging for money here. Like it feels like you are, <laughs> yeah, but people are actually really, really excited to, to help out. And yeah. you know, how else are you going to be able to raise Yeah, that and money? just bring those people in. Like it's so hard because you're so busy, but try and give updates and be very transparent about everything. And like we gave we've given credits you know you can have your name on the end of the film so it really feels yes. like you're bringing everyone in and we hope to also engage with a lot of lgbt charities um, and give it back to them in some way um, we're not going to forget about what it really is about because it's easy to get swept up in the excitement and the glitz of it but just keep being really honest and bringing it back to what it was meant to be about i think it's also so interesting to think about how there may have been a similar story and there must have been you know there we, yeah, there will and- probably have been and, and they and might come forward exactly this, and how crazy is that yeah. and if it gives comfort as well to someone I mean wouldn't that be amazing if there's a lady somewhere who lived through World War II and that is her story and I've actually seen things that are similar come up on BBC News recently and so yeah if someone got in touch with us and said this was my story my god that would just be the most beautiful thing that could come of it it's so incredible isn't it because there must be a million stories that are untold yeah to do with a load of things and the more we create and make we might uncover them you travel a lot as well I know your partner's the other side of the world at the moment (laughs) how how is navigating that kind of stuff on top of being an actress producer writer (laughs) conservationist yeah, so it all sounds very glitzy, but he's he's from the UK, but my boyfriend lives in LA and he's been living out there for four years uh, and he's a musician, so he understands, which is amazing. So he did the music for, for Grey Future as well. So it was really nice. We got to collaborate on that and he's doing the music for Wings. Yeah, I when we when he first moved out there, we didn't see much of each other. And that's hard because if you're doing something you're terrified of and things are going wrong and you don't, you don't have that person to be there on the same time zone. So by the time they do ring you, you're like, oh, I've got over it. I've sorted it. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not in sync but yeah and now I do go out quite a bit and um it is hard because uh, I mean the t- the jet lag don't you know never say that's not a thing that is a thing um and I end up like having to write and do stuff and get completely out of sync for a good two weeks after being there um but when I go out there I just try and engage with um things that are going on so California is very forward thinking in terms of animals and welfare and stuff like that so I just link into all the charities out there and try and build connections there's one filmmaker who I think is fantastic and I hope that in the future we might do something together same with wings you know like I've reached 
out to some LGBT charities there. So I kind of make sure that I'm still proactive when I'm out there. It's far from a holiday. I try and make it somewhere that we both feel we both feel a bit at home because otherwise this could have been a terrible thing. We could have broken up. People thought we were going to break up years ago. <laughs> they were like, oh my gosh, he's moving. That's it. It's too far. It's 11 hour flight, you know, eight hour time zone. But I think we've both just taken the positives from it and kind of gone, okay, this is the situation. How can we still both engage with this part of the world and make the most of it? But it is, it's, it's cost, you know, it's costly and it comes back to that thing of having jobs to help facilitate all of that. Yeah, it's tricky as well. It is, it mustn't be easy, but also it, it's great that you're taking the positives and being able to recognize that you can collaborate. You know, yeah. the fact that we, we interviewed Liv's other half, John, and the fact that they've worked together and I've now been able to work with both of them in, in other ways. It's, yeah. it's, it's, you kind of, it's great to start looking at who is around you and yeah my god we'd never collaborated before at all really and we were doing it for great future we're doing it over skype but like so i think it was like three in the morning for me and like some bizarre time for him and then he was like playing it and i think i got a bit bossy and it was a whole new like adventure like we'd never done that before but no that brings you closer together as well because normally we don't we're kind of a bit separate so having that one thing, it's kind of funny. It kind of was like, oh, but we both know where we're at with this one thing. Yeah, because you're both super passionate about the things that you do and you have the opportunity to to work separately on, on your things and, and you're definitely not holding each other back because yeah. you're both, you know, living where you need to live and doing what you need to do. But then to find that thing that brings your passions together, it's just, it's fantastic. You yeah. know, it's a great it's I think you see thing. a side of that person as well that you don't normally see because they normally yeah. go off to work and everyone else gets to reap the benefits of whatever they're doing. And then, yeah, he'd come back and I'd be like, oh, it's quite good actually. <laughs> and it's You're so very nice. good at this yeah, music oh, thing. Is, is that why people want you? Oh, okay. <laughs> but you, it seems like you are incredibly driven and you, you're you always looking for opportunities. You know, it's wonderful hearing you talk about how you use your time out in LA when you go there and you connect with people. And it's clearly because it's something that you care about, you know, something that you're very passionate about. And uh, like we said at the beginning, especially with the conservation and stuff, and you, you speak at a lot of events as well. That seems, you know, really exciting. You know, how, how has that come about? And who, who asks you to speak or are you kind of involved in yes. the project? And- um, so it was all since Grey Future, really. I think before Grey Future, I didn't, I loved animals and I was doing, you know, I was rescuing baby birds and working at a wildlife centre and signing all the petitions. But I didn't really think anyone cared that much whether, you know, I thought there was loads of us that cared. And then when I went to these events, they felt that, you know, I could speak quite well on behalf of it and that I had sort of interesting views. And I suppose some of the times the demographic can be maybe older people or something like that. So maybe, I don't know, it just, it kind of fitted. So then I basically did drama workshops for um, the Born Free Foundation, just, you know, volunteering, doing that. And then um, basically people involved said, oh, you know, with Grow Future, can you come speak? And so I spoke with Chris Packham, who I just think is wonderful. So that was very special and did lots of little things like that. And now I still, you know, I did, I, I'm actually an ambassador for IAPWA, which is a charity that started off uh, saving dogs and changing legislation in Borneo to do with dog meat trade and rescuing dogs. And they've now moved into wildlife. So I'm sort of the rhino ambassador. And I created a campaign recently called Hear Them, which uh, was engaging younger kids to record videos of them speaking on behalf of of rhinos or elephants or talking about what they thought because I started doing a lot of drama workshops and I realized that the simplicity of which children explain things is quite profound because they don't have all the ifs and buts they just literally speak from why does anyone want elephants teeth 
you know, and you're like, yeah, why don't you know, bringing <laughs> yeah. it back to the basics? Yeah. Um, so then I thought, ah, oh, that could be quite interesting. So um, I got kids to record themselves talking about all the issues. And then I also got a school in Zambia um, to do videos. And that's amazing because they live with elephants and rhinos. They see them on a weekly basis. So they sent videos over and then I put them all in a montage and I spoke recently at the Royal Geographic Society in Kensington about the wonderful work that they are doing because they're helping build a rhino recovery centre. So the funds were going towards that. So we talked about that. Um, but we also, I talked a lot about young people and engaging them. Um, I'm very keen that it's easy to talk to yourself in terms of you can go to these events and it'll be the same people, which is so lovely, but we need to recruit new people that care about these issues, which is why I think merging drama and conservation or any topic that you care about with drama or, you know, any subject, it's nice because um, you're mixing and bringing in new people. So, for example, I can't remember his name, but there's a gentleman who plays cricket and he has rhinos on his bat and he just sometimes goes to rhino events. And I think, wow, all the fans that are cricket fans that may know nothing about this issue are being brought in. So I'm trying to break down the barriers and things. So I was talking about young people by putting these videos online. It was on their social media. So then kids were going, hey, what's that? And then it, so we were reaching new people and not just all meeting up together and saying how terrible it is because we already know. Um, so I talk a lot about bringing in new people and coming at it from a different angle. Grey Future wasn't graphic. You didn't see tusks hanging off or anything, which I still think some of that is important. But people could watch this drama that was quite cinematically filmed and had nice music and know they weren't going to see something like that. But it still got them in a different way. I'm trying to always think of the bigger picture and how we can come at it from a different angle and keep it current not just in the formats that we've seen it previously um so yeah so from that people have just been really lovely and said oh can you speak and stuff like that that's fantastic and it shows the importance because sometimes i think what we do as creatives we have moments where we feel like there are so many important more important things to do actually all the creative stuff comes into it you know it's yeah. a way of telling a story and as you say you know getting through to new people instead of just talking to the people who already know how yeah, bad it is. Absolutely, yeah. So sometimes just thinking outside the box, if you do think of a subject that you really care about and you want to do a creative response to that, maybe also think about how it can sort of mix with people that don't already know about it. I think that's how you'll be most effective. And not just, because it's very easy to put things on Instagram and talk about these things and get a lot of likes and get a lot of praise and look like you're doing great but then if you really care about the issue and want to get to the heart of the thing you have to make decisions that also are really going to benefit that so doing a lot of these steps you know would look great on Instagram but I one thing I always try and do is really as though I'm getting paid actually put the time and effort to think about what does this subject really need who does who really needs to be brought in on this and how can I really do it justice because it's, it's no point just being there you need to really give it your time and get to the heart of it if that makes sense yeah and actually getting through to enough people to try and look at legislation and, and yes. actually changing yes yeah, so with great future I was like yeah pretty film and everyone's like well done and I'm like I could just lap up the well dones or it turns out that they're trying to change the ivory trade here so I have got to link on to that yeah and that took more effort but if you really care about what you said you cared about and you've got to see it through I love how it all started in a cafe with, a, with an <laughs> idea of an elephant and a rhino like how, what it's led on to is yeah. actually incredible 
Yeah, on my website, I think I've got um, the tissues, like re- restaurant tissues with all the drawings. Like that's a backdrop to one page on my website because that's literally how it started. That's amazing. It just starts with an idea. <laughs> and, you know, as you, as you said then, you didn't really know what it was going to be. No, and it's become this thing that's yeah. led on to so much more. So where do you see your career going in the future? Do you have any more guesses or are you kind of leaving up to (laughs) to the next idea? um, I very much did still enjoy being the actor in Wings because that was a challenge in itself. I was producing it. So I knew all the things that could go wrong. I knew everyone's face when a bulb had gone. I knew I was paying for the bulb. (laughs) So I had all that going on. Then they'd be like, okay, Carla, time for your close up. And it's like, my gosh, this is a lot to handle. I don't just sit where they tell me to. But I did still rediscover how much I enjoyed taking on a character and still acting. So I think my future, I think I would still love to keep creating things, but I still want to keep the performance side of it because some people decide, you know, that they're more crew or producer. But I do think I want to keep that side of it. So I've got... I mean, I'm scared of saying it in case these things don't happen, but I've got another short film that I've written, which is actually to do with the fur industry, but like Grey Future, it's drama-led. Um, I'd really love to do that, and I've had some interesting people read it, so that could be a possibility. I love comedy, and I haven't had a chance to do much of that. So I'm writing something at the moment that is comedy-led. Um, so in the future, I don't know, but I would love to carry on doing my conservation stuff, but get more into also being cast in other people's projects because I think for a while you know it's great to do everything else but I I'd be very excited when that opportunity comes they say I've got a role for you and I do just step in and be the actor I kind of just want to be it all if that's you know a bit greedy but (laughs) I love it be greedy I think it's wonderful I totally agree that you have to create create the work to to be the work you know to have the work has there ever been a moment in what you've been doing up to now that you've just felt like what am I doing? This is too much work. I can't, I can't carry on or there's something that's taking your interest more. Maybe is it, has there been any moment? Like quite recently, you mean? Or at any point, any point, any point. Um, I think before Grey Future and after Grey Future. So it's in the dips. I've been like, Oh, you know what? I did quite well at school. I could be like, I could be quite high up in a company right now. (laughs) But instead, I'm, you know, toodling off to do quite a terrible job or something. So yeah, there's definitely been moments of that. There was a moment, I've never thought I don't want to do it. But there was a moment in Wings where some things arose. And I thought, you'll suddenly have that pang of this is too big for me. Like, who the heck do I think I am? But I'm getting to the point where I I used to be a bit flappy at drama school, I think. So I would, like, panic and speak a lot and be quite a lot of sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I think that's something I've been working on the last few years, realising that, it's you know, it's okay and we're all feeling a little bit, you know, a little bit insecure and stuff and kind of evaluating that everyone feels like that no matter what point they're at. So I think with a bit of mindfulness, I I read about mindfulness, um, kind of just being a bit more in the moment a bit calmer noticing that emotion oh yeah I am a little bit anxious I'm not going to try and get rid of that emotion I literally just see it and that's what mindfulness is about rather than giving it all the power and going I'm going to fight that emotion and that's kind of calmed me down um so I think I'm dealing with things a lot better but yeah of course I have those moments but they're shorter lived now than they used to be what have been the moments that have kept you going the most when when did you feel the most encouraged to just keep keep doing it well I'm pretty lucky aren't I because once Rosie Day and Bobby Locke got on board I mean for those two alone I was like woohoo like we have absolutely smashed it here and then to walk down the road and 
Miriam and then Virginia like I I just feel so fortunate and so obviously that was a moment where I was like wow we're on an amazing ride here but yeah seeing Grey Future I mean it was screened with Born Free on big screens and then I was like wow that looks good I can I can do this you know um so I think it's when you get the final product or you get to see snippets of it that is it's just like being on set it looks kind of messy people are putting loads of smoke in the room you're like oh god this looks terrible and then you walk past a monitor and I think those are the moments that make you go ah okay yeah this is it is coming together I love that it's really inspiring it's, it, it, honestly I was just I was kind of picturing now I want to see all the shots that you're talking I, know. About. I, I want to look at them if someone was listening to this and was thinking of getting into either acting or filmmaking or just conservation or anything to do with what you've spoken about is there any kind of nugget of wisdom you'd give someone to just keep going or don't yeah. do it or... yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. run <laughs> um, well I think I would just say like I hope this is kind of helpful in the sense that as I say a few years ago if I'd seen someone with a film that looked like this you know when if I'd seen bits of footage and I'd seen who's in it I would have thought that I would have to be more established or someone more you know I don't know someone who was further on in their career who had more credits or something so basically just don't um don't think about whether you can do something or you're at a certain point just go for it anyway because let me be living proof that you can literally bumble your way and just plod along and it kind of works out the other thing I've noticed is you email a lot to different people in the hope that they'll collaborate with you or meet with you or something like that and sometimes you don't hear back but I've realized when I've been at my most busiest you know maybe when a film's come out or I'm in the middle or social media is talking a lot about it I get emails from people saying can I help can I assist can I do stuff and it is really easy for those emails to get lost in your inbox and you don't mean it you literally have just got so much going on and then when that person writes back sort of three weeks later and said I thought I'd just give you a reminder I'm really grateful that they've done that because I do want to help in some way and that has made me realize that when other people do it to me I've realized that you should send that follow-up email. You should say, I'm still here. Because if you're busy, you're really grateful for that. And it wasn't intentional. So I think that's quite a useful thing for people to remember. Just keep waving. And there's a book called uh, Mindfulness, Peace in a Frantic World. And I do think that really did help. So check out that book because it, it just kind of, it's got a lot of scientific research in there as well. So if you're a little bit, oh, not one of those self-help books, this one really shows you on brain scans and stuff where your emotions can kind of get a little bit fudgy and kind of knowing where they come from and how you can deal with them without dealing with them <laughs> is quite a common experience. And I think a lot of us creatives have a lot of like lightning going on in our heads and different weather going on in there and um i think that could be quite a good one for someone who's feeling a bit topsy-turvy this is amazing yeah, <laughs> this, this happens so to me every good. time i'm like i don't want to finish talking <laughs> and you know what actually with you guys i'm taking control now um, with <laughs> you two you were saying about um us uh staying in touch well i think that's another thing do that with your friends as well because you mm. guys have always been forthcoming in just always being really like warm and friendly and like you sending messages and encouraging messages and you've been very much been it's nice because you're those women that we all kind of help each other and you guys yeah. have been very accessible and kind of we've always gone even if we didn't even think we'd be sitting here we we've been like hey go you that's great and you know both of you are people that I see you doing stuff and I go oh good for them you know and I think it's nice to build that kind of uh, relationship amongst people within the creative industry because it's easy to you know the, the little jealous frog come out or anything but I don't I've never felt that with you guys and I've always felt like I could drop you a message and 
um so you, it's a credit to you guys you've been like that and that's why you've got something like this so thank you to you two as oh, well yeah, thank you <laughs> thank but you. absolutely because just keeping in touch with people is just the way to go it keeps you sane i think as yeah, well absolutely. realizing everyone's doing yeah. the same stuff and being honest like this just saying oh yeah it was a bit bad last week but still but you know uh, this uh, you can't act all the time where can people find you if they want to watch um wings when it finally comes out or keep yeah. updated with it or support you in some way how, how can they get in touch with you obviously i'm on all the social medias and stuff and obviously i'll update so that'll give you an idea of where we're at with it wings has an instagram account wings underscore the film so you can follow that. I think we're going to be launching another Indiegogo. So if you wanted to, um, you can have credits and it gives you an update. But other than that, I think the Instagram and the Twitter, which is the same name, um, is the best way to keep an eye on what we're up to. And you personally? Have you got one And for me you? personally, yeah, just Carla Fraser is my Instagram. Thank you so much for coming down and talking to us. I can't wait to see it. Good luck. Oh, yeah. Me neither. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Next Monday, we talk to musician and producer John Wright, and we got into quite a detailed description of how we produced my album. So that was quite fun to talk about. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to make sure you're up to date with our latest episode. It's funny you said this because I knocked coffee over when Miriam agreed to do... Really? <laughs> yeah, out of excitement, yeah. Oh my I was God. Like, oh, thank you! <laughs> Hi everyone, it's Laura here. While you're waiting for the next My Amazing Mess episode to come out, why don't you check in with another podcast that we love? Off the Record, which is the leading UK country music podcast hosted by Imogen Marshall. She talks to artists about the stories behind their songs. The show hosts a broad scope of artists from up and comers to household names. If you want to check it out, you can download and subscribe from Apple Podcasts or any other podcast streaming site. <laughs>